It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. And I'll tell you what, I am in rare form these last few days, and today I feel like it just all blew up. Where? Inside my head. Nobody around me can tell that there's a problem, but I'm telling you, there's a problem. My memory, I've mentioned before, amazingly I remember I have, that uh, the medicines I had been on have really been messing with my head. Like my short-term memory is non-existent. You know, I could go out on a date with somebody and forget who he is when he calls me three days later. As a result, I've been trying to stay home a little more and I met somebody and I've been spending more time talking with him and seeing him. It's a lot easier to remember one person than a bundle. I mean, dating to begin with is not easy. It's a chore. It's a challenge. It's a freaking full-time job. So far, knock on wood, I've gotten lucky and I've met someone. And we'll see where that goes. In the meantime, I'm telling you, inside my head, I feel like I'm one step away from exploding. I went to my doctor today to discuss whether or not I'm going back on these medications because I've been off now for 10 days. And so as we're sitting and we're talking, I said to him, well, can I just continue the way I am right now? And he looks at me, he goes, sure. What are you on? Now, if your doctor, the one that took you off the medications because you were having problems, said that to you, what would you do that your very own doctor doesn't remember the fact that he took you off medications and now he's telling you it's okay to stay on the medications for as long as you want, even though you're not on them anymore? Now, isn't that enough to make you blow? I looked at him and I said, you have no clue what I'm on, do you? And then he looks at my chart and he looks at the computer and he goes, well, uh, hmm. I said, I'm not on anything. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. That's what the nurses mentioned, that you were also having a problem with your memory. I said, apparently, I'm not the only one. Now, I'm supposed to put my life in your hands and I can't trust you to remember what I'm doing, even though you're the one that told me to do it. I can't be losing it so that this one is on me, right? This is my doctor. This is the person that's supposed to tell me what to do to make me better and to forewarn me of symptoms that might come along with the medication. This man can't remember me from the next woman. Then I said to him, by the way, and we're just sitting there, the two of us, the last time I came in was two Thursdays ago. I said, that following day, Friday, I was sick as a dog. I'm really curious as to whether you got sick. He looked at me and he he looks at the calendar and he says to me, I have never been so sick in my life. I said, wonderful. I said, I must have picked it up in the waiting room. He goes, no, actually, I think I got it and gave it to you. Now, does he not realize he just added insult to injury? (laughs) Are you serious? I said, why would you come to work if you were infected or felt sick? He says, the thing is, how was I supposed to know? I didn't know. He says, I didn't know it until the minute it hit me. And when he said that, I knew because that's exactly what happened to me. I saw him Thursday. I went out Thursday night, had a great time. Friday, woke up, sat down to work. Everything seemed to be fine then. 10 o'clock. I'm telling my staff online, I think I'm dying. I've got to get off. (laughs) 
It was one of those viruses or flus or whatever it was. But, you know, misery loves company, so I was happy to hear that he got sick too. But here's the bottom line. I'm walking around not remembering things that I should remember. Nobody around me knows it, which makes it even more stressful for me because I know what I'm expected to be like. I know what others expect of me and from me. And now that I can't give them what they want, even though they think I can, I'm battling an internal battle with myself, which is causing anxiety, which is no stranger to me because I battled anxiety attacks when I was in my 20s, maybe even my early 30s. So to have that creeping anxious feeling come up across my shoulders, the back of my neck, into my hair, just ready to pounce is not something that makes me happy. As a result, we both decided that yes, I should continue doing exactly what I'm doing. Stay on nothing. So here I am. I'm a woman with ovarian cancer. Third round. Every side effect that has never been heard of is what you will find in me. And they all know it. So they can tell me till they're blue in the face that I'm going to get this and I'm going to have that and I'm going to be standing on my head and I'm going to have hives and anything else. But none of those things affect me. I find my own little things to preoccupy myself with, like blisters on my fingers that came from this drug. My memory, I can remember things that I've not remembered in forever. And yet I can't remember who I saw yesterday. Oh, good God. It's just one giant adventure. So... I'm just going to jump around for the next couple of weeks. I'll go back. I'll have another blood test and I'll just play it by ear. And then I said to him, now, hold on a second. We did a PET scan and the PET scan, if you don't know, is this way of showing if you have cancer, it actually lights up on the screen. And when they did the PET scan, there were little spots, little areas that did light up. Not a lot, just a little And I asked him again, doesn't this mean that the cancer is there? He said, yes. And I said, so then why is it okay for me to go without having any medication now? Because you know that cancer is not going to disappear on its own. So why are you saying it's okay for me to just be virgin-like with nothing in me? He says, well, that's a good question. And then he looks down at the desk. He looks down at his shoes. And I'm thinking, please, please. Dear God, please let him have an answer. He can't be that much of a moron. Please. Silence. He says, well, here's how we look at it. In the grand scheme of things, if you have cancer and you have it now, but it's not really presenting itself, like in your case, there's really no reason to take any medication. He says, now, if you wait and you do start presenting that's when we would give you medication. And I said, yes, but if we take it now, wouldn't it delay the cancer from presenting so soon? He said, no, that's the thing. We've learned that whether you treat it now or you treat it later, the outcome is still the same. I said, so why in the world was I on these drugs in the first place? He said, because we didn't know how fast it was going to grow or not. We wanted to see the first month. We wanted to see how much it presented and how much it didn't. 
it's almost like you have to think like the cancer is an entity that has a brain that's calculating, that is not directionally challenged like its owner, (laughs) me. It just walks and finds and goes and does and grows or sits there just to fuck with me. But that's what it does. I'm so used to being in control. This is the one time in my life that I really have no control. And I might as well just roll with it because you can't fight it. I've already fought it. I fought it twice, six months of chemo and then four months of chemo. Now, I won. Here I am. All right, so it came back again. That doesn't mean I'm dying from it. It just means now I understand this beast a little bit better. And maybe now it will understand me because I will tolerate a certain amount of nonsense. And then when I get pushed to that spot that we all try to avoid me going near, I'm sure you're very much like me in that way, that type A spot that you don't ever want to go near when you know someone like me? Well, when we get to that point, I will take massive doses of whatever have to be taken to shut that bastard down. Again, but I feel okay with this choice. I'm not running away from side effects. I'm not trying to save my life by using extreme measures, whether it be medications or chemotherapy or radiation, I'm just not doing it. I'm going to fight this battle my way. And this is the way. Nothing in my system for as long as I can tolerate. And right now, the only thing wrong is the anxiety that I have been holding in because I needed to make this decision. I feel so much better. So let me tell you one other thing that was on my mind. I recorded a podcast, oh, I don't know, maybe eight months, a year ago. Again, no sense of time whatsoever. And it was about being the other woman, a position in life that I allowed myself to fall in between. Since then, I've met someone, another woman, who wrote to me telling me that she had listened to that podcast that she felt like we were living a double life because every single thing I said about the man I'd been seeing, she was going through the same thing with the man she had been seeing. And she wrote me and she called herself another other woman. Now, I've been in touch with her via email and texting, and I'm going to have her on probably next week on the podcast. We've been trying to set up a date now for months And at one point, she wasn't ready. At another point, I was out of town and just back and forth and back and forth. So next week, we will be hearing from her. But I've got to tell you this. Ever since we just contacted each other recently, this has also compounded the anxiety that I have been dealing with because it's bringing back all of those memories from that relationship that was so toxic detrimental to my health and my well-being, that I almost feel like that angst is not worth doing the interview or having the conversation because it's just going to stir everything up again. But at the same time, I'm here to help whoever I can. That's just me. That's just what I do. And this woman and I have been in touch 
several times, and I've seen her go through stages. And this will be the first time that she has spoken to me. So I would never take that opportunity away, something that I've offered, but it is causing me to be stressed because I know I'm going to have to talk about something I'm not thrilled to relive. But that'll be something (laughs) you'll want to hear. I can pretty much guarantee it. I just can't wait to hear the spin that she might offer that I couldn't. You know, I don't even think there is such a thing as a spin when you're involved in a three-way relationship. The one that spins the most is the person in the middle. So I think he probably got what he deserved in the long run. She and I got what we deserved because ultimately we should not have been involved with a married man in the first place. And their wives are probably the only ones that are intact. And yet they've got to be scarred pretty badly. Never a good situation. You live and you learn. But the thing that I wanted to mention, because of that relationship and how toxic it was and how many years I was involved and in love, I thought, it has stopped me from being able to really be in love again with anyone I've met. I know it. I recognized it today while I was driving in my car to go to the hospital to see the doctor. I had all these things in my head. And I'm talking to myself inside my head. Robin, what is it that's causing you such grief right now? Why are you so stressed out over things that you can't control? Why is he popping back into your head? And then I put the pieces of the puzzle together. I know I'm doing this interview with her. I thought it was today, but it's Monday. And I kept thinking to myself, is this a mistake? Should I walk away from this? Should I tell her I'm not strong enough to handle this? No, the thing is, I am strong enough to handle it. And a part of what hurt me the most was that I walked away, but I left a piece of my dignity behind And I wasn't able to open my arms to anybody. And that hurts. That is something that I've never done before. My heart has never been closed to anybody. My arms are always open wide. You know, come on in. Let me hold on. Let me hug you. Well, I am seeing this man right now. And uh, he really, really likes me. And I think he is super. And I kept thinking, why am I gun-shy with him? Why was I gun-shy with somebody before him? Why am I so afraid to let go? And I think it is because I'm subconsciously allowing this wall to build itself in front of me the minute I feel like I could get close. And it was like a rude awakening as I was driving my car. I saw the wall. It was like I could see the the bricks and the mortar and piece by piece being put up and I could see it getting higher and taller. And I stopped and I really almost had this conversation out loud with myself while driving. What is wrong with you, Robin? Knock the freaking wall down. He's gone. You don't have to hide from him anymore. You don't have to hide from relationships anymore. Most relationships, if you allow them to be, can be healthy, good for you, make you feel like you don't have to be misindependent all the time. And there it is. 
I'm so used to having to fight for what I want, having to claim what I feel is right, being gun shy because of somebody else's vicious slap, that I'm just not allowing myself to relax and enjoy 100% of the person I'm with. I wonder if you've ever gone through that. Maybe you're going through it now. I just think it's time to let the walls come tumbling down. It's enough. It's just more than enough. I'm going to really give it my all and see what happens with this guy. And if it doesn't work, so what? I know what it is to be alone. I know that I can go on cruises. I can go have dinner. I can go to a bar, have a drink. I can do all of that stuff by myself. I've done it very successfully. But have I done it successfully to prove a point to myself and the rest of the world that, yes, I'm a survivor. I can do this. Or have I done it because I didn't have anybody else to do it with and I just refused to sit home and do nothing? There's a big difference. In clear conscience, I have made the decision to give this man the opportunity to make us both happier. If he can tolerate me for that long, (laughs) we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I've even thought of having this discussion with him. You know, maybe he wouldn't see it as crazy. Maybe he'd understand that there's lots of anxiety bouncing around the walls of Robin's house. I don't know. Sometimes I give people too much credit. You know, how much of Robin can you tolerate? I'm thinking about it. Either way, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's going to notice. He's going to see me tonight. He's going to see that I'm wound up tight. That's something I just don't know how to hide. And at some point, I'm sure he's going to say the words to me. Are you okay? And that will be the deciding factor. That moment in time when he says those three words, are you okay? (laughs) That's when I'll make my decision. Funny you should ask. (laughs) And then just let it roll. Or do I say, yes, I'm just preoccupied. Now, at this stage in our relationship, yours and mine, I think you know me well enough to know that I just can't do that. I would have to say what's on my mind. And I think you would too. Time will tell. So to wrap things up, I am still with ovarian cancer, but on no medications. I'm pretty happy about that. I feel liberated. I'm not dying. I'm not going anywhere. We're monitoring it. I am now recognizing the fact that I have allowed walls to build up around me, and I'm now taking them down brick by brick. I suggest you try the same thing. If we do it together, it's like being on a diet together. You know, you feel so proud of each other as you go, brick by brick by brick. And I'm willing to let somebody into my life, finally. And the last thing I wanted to mention is, I think I've mentioned in the past that on these dating sites that I've participated in, I have been blogging the first one or two paragraphs in my profile just talking to men, telling them what it's like to be a woman on a dating site, different situations I've gotten myself into, things that different men have done that were inappropriate or very appropriate, and I just wasn't ready. I've really let it all spill. 
And I have received many, many emails from men that say to me, I am not your type, but I just want to let you know, I can't wait to read what you say next. And so what I did this week was I went back to those two dating sites. I discontinued one, which means my profile is still there, but I'm not paying for it anymore. So I'll save myself like 90 bucks a month. That makes me happy. And the other one was basically free. And I wrote my final blog for now. Maybe it will be my final one forever. But I said, I just wanted to tell you, I found someone. I don't know if he is the one, but right now he's making me really happy. And I've recognized the fact that it may have been me. It may have been bad timing. It may have been any of you. I don't know what the answer is. All I know is I was at my lowest when I really got to know him. And maybe that's what it takes to let yourself just be susceptible and let someone in while you have no choice. I don't know. I'm not trying to say that this whole time I've been on these dating sites that it's been my fault that I've not met somebody because I was attracted to him when I was well. I met him when I was well. But the minute I got sick, I mean really sick with the flu, this man drove an hour and a half, picked me up, and took me with my dogs to his house and took care of me for that weekend. And I allowed it. And I wrote this on my profile so that other men could see there can be happy endings. Now, I didn't commit. I didn't say that I'm marrying the man. I didn't say he is the one. I said I have allowed myself, and this is all in writing, to let the walls come tumbling down. And to all of you that I may have pushed aside For the wrong reasons, I truly apologize. But it took the right man, the right timing, and for me to do a little changing to recognize all of the things I'm mentioning to you. And I wished them all well, and I asked them to do the same for me. (laughs) What else are you supposed to use a dating site for? (laughs) I got rid of all of the propaganda about who I am and what I want and all that other bullshit, and I left it open-ended just like that. And I have men that are writing me on these two sites now. Now, I can't respond, but they're writing and they're congratulating me and they're saying best of luck and good luck with the cancer and we hope that this is it for you. And these men are being genuine, like they were friends and they were readers and they were followers of my story. And maybe I will do what I said I was going to do, make that ebook of all the profiles I've written over the last couple of years and some of the responses from men, the positive responses, not those looking to see me, but those looking to pat me on the back and say, you go, girl. There are good people in the world. It's just a matter of how you want to accept them into your life. Enough for now. It's Robin Marshall. I can't wait to talk to you next week. I really hope I do connect with another other woman. 
<laughs> because it could be that she's avoiding me as much as I kind of feel I'm avoiding her, but I think we'll do each other good by telling that story. I'll let you be the judge. Maybe you'd like to share a story, too. If there's something you'd like to talk with me about, whether privately or on a podcast, you can reach me here on iTunes. Send me a little note with your email address or email me at robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you. I would love for you to be on the air with me. If you have something important that you want to talk about or share or want somebody else's opinion on, write me. I'll get in touch with you. I never offer something that I don't follow through on. I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. Oh, and don't forget to check out my website. I really think you'll enjoy it. It's sugarmom.net. You can also pick up my book there, The Diary of a Sugar Mom, which is where this whole podcast began. Who knew? I just wrote the book because it was in me. I didn't see the podcast coming. But you'll enjoy it if you read it. It's in an ebook, which is very inexpensive, paperback, in the teens, and audiobook. I did the audio myself. I mean, it's what I do for a living, and it was a tough read. I will tell you that. Probably the hardest audiobook I've ever done. Diary of a Sugar Mom. You can pick it up on sugarmom.net. If nothing else, just enjoy the podcast that you'll find on the podcast page. I have many, many blogs written, lots of pictures, videos. You'll enjoy it. It's fun. Sugarmom.net. All right, my friends. Thank you once again for hanging with me, giving me ideas for the next podcast. I'll talk with you next week. It's Robin Marshall, Sugar Mom. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being my friend. Thank mm-hmm. you.